Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Andre from The Mental Elf, and it's the Quality 2020 podcast here with Amar Shah. He's the Chief Quality Officer at the East London Foundation Trust and a very well-known name and face in the uh, quality improvement world. Um, he's given a couple of presentations already at this conference this week. It's November the 5th. Amar, we've just started a new lockdown here in the UK. Um, what's the place, do you think, of quality improvement during this coronavirus? Well, what I've seen over the last eight months has been um, this galvanizing of everyone's efforts towards a singular purpose. Um, that's taught us a lot, I think, about how effective it can be to really create some clear sense of purpose for people in their work. We've seen people across the healthcare landscape uh, do their very best, put all of their effort in to help us combat this massive complex challenge. We've also seen loads of change take place, change at a scale and pace we probably wouldn't have imagined before. Most of that change has actually been led by people at the point of care. It's not really been things that have been dictated from way on above. It's been people at the point of care trying to navigate their way through, testing ideas out, seeing what works, adapting it. Uh, that's the true essence of quality improvement. I think we've also seen leadership recognize that their role is to support people at the point of care and give them an environment in which they can test out and experiment and, and do the best that they possibly can for their patients. And the leadership role is to support their staff um, and, and to really listen to what they're saying. So for me, quality improvement has, has helped us, I think. Um, certainly the organizations that have invested over many years in building improvement skills and to support people to learn how to lead in a, in a way that supports improvement. I think those, those organizations have really reaped the dividend of that now because they've, they've got a, a workforce that's skilled in navigating complexity in, in trying new things in having a method that helps them learn and adapt. So that's, I think we're, we're in a, a really good position um, in, in seeing the utility of quality improvement uh, to solve some of our complex challenges. I think that the, the, the real opportunity for us now is to build on that because I think what we're hearing loud and clear is that there is an opportunity for us to do even better in the way that we, we approach quality improvement in the future. Uh, people have felt liberated in the last eight months. Um, a lots of the, the, the wasteful activity has been taken away and lots of meetings and assurance has just been stripped away. And it probably, most people would say, hasn't, we haven't really lost a lot for losing it. Uh, you know, we're not losing much by not having meetings and committee meetings and, and lots of assurance processes in place. So there is an opportunity for us to really think about how do we capitalize on that? How do we make improvements simpler to access? How do we strip away some of the jargon and barriers that stop people getting involved in improvement? How do we uh, make sure people feel like they have an opportunity to improve what really matters at the point of care, not what matters in a boardroom, but, you know, things that really matter to our patients and, and to the people at the point of care. I want to pick you up on this point about pace of change. I was really interested in listening to Klaus Meyer's keynote the other day where he was talking about, this is the guy that started the, the new Nordic food movement. He was saying that haste is the enemy of quality improvement and talking about baking bread and saying that you can't bake a loaf of bread in two hours. You need to leave it for eight hours to prove. Um, but also, you know, that speed is important. Um, and of course, Don and Kedar in their you know, keynote were talking about how we've seen huge pace of change over the last few months during COVID. And I think Don was talking about the example of publishing and how we've had to get, been able to get lots more 
stuff through in days, whereas previously it took months. What do you think are the, the pros and cons of this fast paced change that we're seeing at the moment? Um, and do you think we will go back to the same kind of pace that we had before after COVID? Or do you think we'll have a completely new setup? So I think I, I hear a lot of times from people that they perceive quality improvement to be too slow. That sometimes they feel that actually the problems need solving quicker. And that if we just got on and did stuff, it would be a quicker and more effective way to solve problems. Um, I think that that we should really pay attention to that because for me, I think that what, what, what I'm seeing and observing is that there's a real opportunity for us to apply quality improvement better. When it's done really well, it should be a faster, more effective way to solve problems than simply telling people what to do, um, which is the old approach, I think, to solving problems in the NHS is to, that we would sit around a table, come up with a solution and then just tell everybody this is the best way to do it off you go and do it. And I think we've learned over time that that doesn't really work in the complex people's world in which we work, uh, that we need to involve people more deeply. But actually, you know, to do quality improvement really well, you need to first understand the system. That is true. You need to involve people in that process. That can take a bit of time, but if you really don't understand the system well, you have no chance of improving it. So that there is some merit in what Klaus is saying about really trying to take a methodical, thoughtful approach to solving complex problems. But I think we've overdone it in quality improvement. I think we, 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 we've bureaucratized it, we've um, structured it to such an extent that actually people don't feel like it creates energy. Often it saps energy. Uh, and, and improvement really has to be a rapid burst of effort for a defined period of time to, to get us from one place where we're not comfortable or happy to be to a better position. And, and then we have to pause and stop because it takes a lot of effort to do quality improvement. So we need to apply it in a rapid burst. So I think there's opportunity for us to find a happy medium. And I don't think we've yet found that. I was also really interested in the restoring joy in work session that happened earlier on today, listening to Karen Turner from the Royal Free Hospital talking about the work that they've done over the last few months. And she was... Um, reporting back on some um, surveys that she'd done within her trust where she was asking what had happened, what people felt about the recent changes. And she presented these word clouds and the number one concept was teamwork that had come up in the responses. And the number two was senior management. And that seemed to be a surprise to me that senior management were you know, a big positive thing that had happened in the last few months. Not that the senior management at the Royal Free aren't great, but just that that would be right up there, higher than food parcels and all the other stuff that people needed. What do you think is the role currently of senior management in quality improvement? And what would you recommend, you know, what would your sort of tips be for people that are trying to navigate themselves through this current situation? Yeah, I mean, I think, as I said before, uh, I think there's been a real recognition amongst senior leaders that their role in over the last eight months is not to solve the problem. I think, you know, as you transition from um, a largely assurance or performance management approach to running a big organization to something that is more akin to an improvement focused organization, you recognize that your role as a leader actually changes. It's not about solving problems anymore. You don't need to know the answers. In fact, if you think you know the answers, you're, we're deluding ourselves really at the top of an organization. Our job is to create an environment where those closest to the issue 
uh, feel they have the safety and the space in which to come up with ideas and solutions themselves. And I think we've seen that over the last uh, eight months during COVID, that senior leaders have paid much more attention to uh, culture, to psychological safety, to protecting their workforce, to making sure they, they have the conditions that they need to be able to work most effectively and to innovate, because that's what we need. When we don't know the solutions, we need to be able to innovate. So the role of senior leaders really changes as you switch from uh, a sort of very hierarchical top-down approach to managing organizations to one that's liberating and allows people to continually identify problems and solve it themselves. Your role then becomes about coaching. It becomes about creating the right environment and the psychological safety. And, and I think that's the shift that we have to make. It's a, it's a mental shift more than anything else for a leader. It's really about recognizing that some of what you've learned as you've grown through your career are skills you're going to have to unlearn because actually most people have got to the top of a, a tree in organizations because they're really good at solving problems. And actually now as a senior leader, we have to realize actually we don't, that's not what we need to do anymore. We need to unlearn that and we need to recognize that our role is completely different. And it's more about um, culture and focusing on people and their well-being and, and making sure they, they, the people at the point of care, including patients, are able to contribute to improving the system all the time. But from a systems perspective, Surely there's, there's lots and lots of people currently working in the NHS, for example, who push back on that because it's way outside of their comfort zone and they don't have those skills. How do we deal with that? Yeah, I, th I think that's true because um, what the system reinforces uh, and the people who often get promoted through the system are people who are very capable at managing operations and making decisions and keeping things running. Um, and what we're not quite so good, I think it's improving over time, is we're, we're, we're starting to recognize other kinds of skills as well. The skills of, uh, the softer skills of relationships building, of working in collaboration, of um, listening and involving people deeply in change. Those are the sorts of skills that, you know, I think we're now starting to recognize are really valuable and even more valuable. Um, over time at, at, at sort of in the senior leadership roles. So what kind of people do you think who are currently working in the NHS, we should be trying to push into these leadership roles in a different way than we have done in the past? I think one of the, one, I, I think two things. One, one is diversity. We need, we need increasing diversity. Uh, I think we've learned from quality improvement that the more diversity, the better the ideas, the more successful the projects like to be. So, uh, so we need more diversity and we need, Secondly, more patient leaders, more service user leaders, because um, they ensure we are thinking about the right things. They, they help us understand what really matters. They actually bring better ideas often about what could make a difference. And they don't allow us to sit on our laurels. They, they, they increase the pace of change because they, they, they really act as a constructive change agents to make sure we are progressing and continuing to challenge us uh, to keep getting better. So. I would say two things really. We've got to keep working at diversity in our leadership positions. And we've got to secondly, keep ensuring that we have more and more patients and service users in leadership roles, helping us run and lead healthcare systems. Mm -hmm.